Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Monday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of the Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Signs, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, I will recap some of Sunday's games and preview Monday night's matchup between the Vikings and Seahawks. Plus, I'll do my weekly segment of High Flyer, Top Denier, and Under Fire. The Vikings had their three-game win streak snapped in a lopsided loss to the Patriots last week and are now fighting to keep their playoff hopes alive. While their game against Seattle is important, head coach Mike Zimmer stopped short of overhyping the matchup. If we go out there and we we beat beat Seattle, who's on a three-game winning streak, if we beat them and we go out and we... in our hands the next three weeks you know it doesn't do us any good so we just got to go out here and play this game we've got four games in front of us um, you know all games that we can win if we play good and if we, if we do that then everything will be happy again the seahawks interplay riding a hot streak winning their last three games to propel themselves into playoff contention russell wilson has put together another impressive season and is finally getting the protection he deserves. Head coach Pete Carroll said the play of the offensive line has helped Wilson elevate the entire unit. The development of the pass protection has been really obvious, and Russ has taken advantage of that. That's why he's been able to be more effective getting the second looks and sliding up in the pocket and hitting Tyler, and then the big play was a, a perfect example of that. I will discuss all that and more Coming up in the latest episode of the Chase Podcast. The Fall is another production of the Chase Podcast, covering the latest news and analysis around the National Football League. Turn the volume up. The Chase is on and the Chase is live. Now, Let's say break, everybody. 
It is Monday, December 10th on the Chase Podcast. Isaac signs with you here for another episode. Looking forward to getting into some more NFL action. Week 14 is just about done tonight as the Seahawks take on the Vikings in yet another pivotal matchup of the NFC playoff picture. Heavy postseason implications on the line as the Seahawks currently have the fifth seed and the Vikings are at the sixth seed. So you know the winner of tonight's game could put themselves in a good position to win a postseason spot in a tough NFC conference. But before I get to that preview, I want to give my high flyer, top denier, and under fire segment every Monday here on the Chase Podcast. If you're a new listener or a subscriber, first things first, I thank you for taking the time to listen to my content. And secondly, this is something you can get used to every Monday. I give you the top passer from each conference, the top defender, and a coach or a player that is quote-unquote under fire for the way their team has performed this season. So let's go ahead and get rolling here. NFC High Flyer of the Week. I'm going to give it to Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. Now, it wasn't one of Prescott's prettiest games, that's for sure. He was responsible for nine Eagles points basically because of a fumble and a terrible interception thrown deep in Dallas's own territory. It's also worth noting that he missed a wide open Michael Gallup for a would-be touchdown and then threw another interception on what should have been another touchdown to Amari Cooper. So this guy, each and every single week during the Cowboys five-game win streak, he puts together drives where you just look at yourself and say, how does this guy still have a starting gig in the NFL? Sometimes he shows poor pocket awareness, bad inaccuracy down the field, and he's criticized for checking the ball down five yards on third and longs. But the bottom line is, is when the game was on the line in crunch time, Prescott rose to the occasion and helped propel his team to another big time win at home at AT&T Stadium. In the game's most important moments, he was outstanding. And listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. In the fourth quarter and overtime, Prescott was 17 of 20 passing for 243 yards and three touchdowns. He was also perfect in overtime, going 5 for 5 for 58 yards on an 8-plus minute drive to ensure that the Eagles never got the ball back. It was his best statistical day as a Cowboy. He set career highs in yards with 455 and completions 42 to give the Dallas Cowboys their eighth win of the season. Three touchdowns, two interceptions. So while yes, there's cringeworthy moments it seems like every single week for Dak Prescott, But one thing he's proven time and time again is he is a gamer. And when the game is at stake in critical situations, number four for the Dallas Cowboys comes through. And for that reason, 
He is this week's high flyer of the NFC. Now, NFC top denier, Bears cornerback Prince Amukamara. This guy does not get enough love. Kyle Fuller, the opposite cornerback there in Chicago, gets all of the love as now he's tied for the league lead in interceptions with seven after Sunday night's game. But Amukamara, this guy was a big factor in the secondary. He was excellent in coverage. He finished the game with six total tackles, five solo, three pass defenses, and one interception of his own. He now has three on the season. This guy did a nice job when taking on Robert Woods or Brandon Cooks one-on-one. -on -one. He has been solid outside for Vic Vangio. He can play press, he can play zone, he can play man-to-man -man coverage on an island, and he has been able to shut down some of the league's top wideouts and when opposing quarterbacks have targeted him because of Kyle Fuller's dominance on the other side, Amukamara has reminded the league that he should not be taken lightly as a pushover because he has solidified himself as one of the better corners in the NFL. He helped this defense shut down Jared Goff and the Rams' high-powered offense at Soldier Field, and for that reason, Amukamara earns the award of being the top denier in the NFC. On we go to the NFC Under Fire segment, and this one goes to Falcons offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian. Now, Sarkeesian knows criticism comes with being an NFL coach, but he refuses to suck him to it as over the weekend he said he does not need to validate himself as the Falcons offensive coordinator. But with three games remaining in the season, the naysayers continue to speculate about Sarkeesian's future with the team as the offense has experienced its share of struggles during their 4-9 campaign. The Falcons lost yet again to Green Bay 34-20 and Sarkeesian's offense was only able to muster 20 points on a youthful injury depleted Green Bay defense on the road. I get it. The cold conditions play a factor for Atlanta, who plays in a dome. And yes, I understand. They've dealt with injuries. They've been without Devontae Freeman. I know Julio Jones has been playing a little banged up. But there's far too much firepower on Atlanta's offense to be ranked 10th in total offense and 32nd in rushing. I know they're 4th in passing, right? So you can't really knock them for that. But 32nd in rushing, when you have Tevin Coleman, Ito Smith, and two dominant wideouts in Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper, the list goes on and on. And there has not been a good balance to their offensive attack since Kyle Shanahan departed for the 49ers head coaching job while his unit has not reflected porous numbers they just have not been able to consistently convert red zone scoring opportunities and a lot of that falls on his shoulders for not scheming the right plays against certain defensive looks and also you go back a couple of weeks ago when Julio Jones didn't even have a touchdown 
And how does that happen? You cannot justify not getting your number one wide out in positions to score touchdowns. And so that was another flaw that's been on his resume there in Atlanta. Some fans want him out of a job and a new offensive coordinator. Dan Quinn over the weekend said that he's going to evaluate every element of the team, including their staff, after this year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Sarkeesian moving forward. But for now, he deserves to be under fire. Now let's go to the AFC High Flyer of the Week. Give me Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Listen, you athletes are must-see television, and Mahomes is exactly that. This guy is changing the game with the way he's making these unorthodox throws down the field. The Chiefs held off the Baltimore Ravens 27-24 in overtime in what was an instant classic at Arrowhead Stadium. Yes, save one for the ugly interception, but Mahomes was his usual magnificent self. He delivered absurd passes from different launch points with a combination of accuracy and velocity. He finished the game going 35 of 53 for 377 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, 66.0 completion percentage against the league's top-ranked defense entering play, and his strong outing, even without Kareem Hunt. This is a guy that's using running backs Damian Williams, Spencer Ware, who are solid in their own right, but ever since Hunt has been gone from the team. Mahomes has taken a new sense of leadership of this locker room and has been able to win it with his arm, with his high football IQ. Nothing seems to phase him. He's a quick learner. He shakes off the bad plays and he's resilient, bounces right back and will make a throw that makes you just shake your head in disbelief. Mahomes, he did it again. He is the AFC high flyer of the week, helping the Chiefs clinch a playoff berth and improve to 11-2. Now, the AFC top denier, I give it to the Rook. Outside linebacker Darius Leonard of the Indianapolis Colts. Not many people gave the Colts a chance to go into Houston and snap their nine-game win streak. However, I did. I chose them to upset Houston, and that's exactly what happened. Leonard was instrumental in that cause. 12 tackles, 9 solo, 1 sack, and a pass defense on Sunday. It was another huge game for the sensational rookie linebacker. He's now up to 135 tackles, 7 sacks, and 1 interception in 12 starts this season. In my eyes, Leonard is the clear-cut front-runner for the Defensive Rookie of the Year. This is a guy that was a second-round pick in the 2018 NFL Draft out of a school named South Carolina State. Not South Carolina of the SEC, but South Carolina State, a small school, a prospect that did not generate a whole ton of buzz. But at the Combine, this is a guy that shattered a lot of those drills. And Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, certainly saw something in him. 
and selected him in the second round in what was a head-scratching move by many of the draft analysts. But boy, this guy can play. He's special. Playing that outside linebacker spot for Eberflus's defense. He is the top denier of week number 14. And to close out the segment, AFC under fire. Give me Jaguars head coach Doug Marone. The Jaguars are now 4-9. They were embarrassed on Thursday night football. 30-9. They lost the game. Derrick Henry, who had been silent for much of the season, exploded for 230 plus yards and three touchdowns including a 99 yard rumbling to the house where he steamrolled three separate Jaguars defenders in the process. The Jaguars are 1-8 in their past nine games and Doug Marone just seems to have lost the locker room. The Jaguars do not look motivated. They have way too much talent on the defensive side of the ball to be putting out those type of underwhelming, unenthusiastic performances. I think that falls on Marone's shoulders for not keeping his team engaged. You've seen many outbursts on the sidelines, in the locker rooms, Plenty of these Jaguars players have taken to social media to exchange blows with media members. Go back to a couple months ago when there was a fight at their practice and Tom Coughlin at the time suspended Dante Fowler, who they eventually traded at the trade deadline. It just seems like it's been a circus there in Jacksonville. And then a report breaks on Sunday morning from CBS saying that there's a quote-unquote growing perception that President Tom Coughlin, who's 72 years old by the way, will come down from his suite and coach the Jaguars again in 2019. So there's that rumor floating around. And in the end, Marone, his job is in jeopardy as the offseason approaches. Blake Bortles seems to be on his way out just a year after Jacksonville pledged their allegiance to him, inking him to that three-year, $54 million contract. They believe that they could win with that formula. However, it proved them wrong this season. Marone may be on his way out 15-16 and as a Jaguars head coach through two full seasons. And of course, he took over as the interim head coach when Gus Bradley was fired in 2016. But this guy just does not seem like he has any control over his team. And I think that blowout loss on Thursday Night Football in primetime, looking at the way his team played out there and didn't even give a resilient effort or even give the indication that they wanted to be out there, certainly does not bode well for Marone at this point in time. So he is under fire in the AFC. Now I'll move to my Monday night football preview between the 6-5-1 Vikings and the 7-5 Seahawks. This is a big-time showdown for two teams that are looking to secure a wild-card spot in the NFC. Minnesota currently holds the 6th seed, and Seattle is the 5th seed in the NFC. And a win for the Seahawks would essentially put them in the driver's seat for a wild card playoff spot. So you know there is immense 
anticipation in Seattle tonight and for all the Vikings fans across the globe the Vikings are coming off a 24 to 10 loss to the New England Patriots while the Seattle Seahawks eliminated the San Francisco 49ers from postseason contention with a 43 to 16 blowout victory at home and have won their last three games. This is a Seahawks team that has taken many people by surprise going all the way back to the offseason when they cut ties with Richard Sherman. Cam Chancellor announced his retirement due to a neck injury. Cliff Averill, the same thing. They brought on a brand new offensive coordinator and severed ties with Daryl Bevel. So this was a team that entered the 2018 season with a brand new complexion on both sides of the ball. A younger squad that even Seattle fans were unsure of and the product that they would put on the field. But at 7-5, this is a stingy team under Pete Carroll that has consistently battled and clawed their way into postseason contention. Mind you, they played the NFC West champs, the Los Angeles Rams, extremely close in both meetings this season. This is a squad that you do not want to face in January. Now for the series between the Vikings and the Seahawks. They have met just 15 times, including one playoff game. Seattle is 10-5 against the Vikings and have taken the past four meetings. Now, here are a couple of matchups that I'm going to be watching in tonight's game. And the first one is... The Seahawks rushing attack against the Vikings front seven. One of the primary reasons for the Seahawks success this season is the play of their offensive line. This was a unit that was reconstructed, rekindled. They signed DJ Fluker, who by the way is expected to miss a couple of weeks with a hamstring strain. They brought back a familiar face there with J.R. Sweezy after he was released from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after a disappointing stint there. And then of course they locked up veteran left tackle Dwayne Brown to a multi-year extension after acquiring him from the Houston Texans last season. So this offensive line has paid dividends for Russell Wilson and this rushing attack in particular. Seattle entering week number 14 boasts the number one ground attack in the NFL averaging 149 yards with a 4.7 yards per carry average. Chris Carson leads the Seahawks with 704 yards and four touchdowns this season. They've also gotten significant contributions from Mike Davis and rookie running back Rashad Penny as of late, who has emerged a little bit. He got off to a very slow start, but it looks like they're cutting him loose a bit, and he's been able to make an impact in the passing game as well. And as for the Vikings, you look at their defensive front, Danielle Hunter, Sheldon Richardson, Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin. I mean, that lineup right there is probably the most well-rounded group in the NFL, of course, other than the Rams who have Aaron Donald and Sue and Dante Fowler. But this Vikings defense, I know they've been very inconsistent this year, 
but they still possess the talent to shut down any offense on any given game. They rank 7th in run defense, limiting opposing teams to 99 yards per game with a 3.7 yards per carry average. We've all seen Russell Wilson and how he's thrived with this rushing attack, which is something that he had lacked since Marshawn Lynch decided to prematurely retire. And of course, he came out of it and is now with the Raiders, currently on injured reserve. But since Beast Mode, this Seahawks team had lacked an identity on the ground. And that really put immense pressure and weight on the shoulders of Wilson to throw the ball 30 to 40 times every single game. You saw him running for his life. But now with a sustainable rushing attack, Wilson is only having to throw the ball 15 to 20 times a game. He's more efficient. He's in more control of this team. And he doesn't have to worry about getting clobbered every time he steps back and climbs up the pocket. So establishing the ground game for Seattle will continue to be their top priority going up against a stingy Vikings defensive line. So look for both of these teams to come out with an aggressive mentality trying to show who's the more dominant side early in this game because if the Seahawks can get this run game going smoothly as they've had all season long, it could put Seattle in a good position to win this ball game at home. And as for the Vikings, where their secondary has been suspect, even with some premier talent, they must ensure a strong outing from their interior with Richardson and Limbaugh Joseph leading the way. Now the second matchup here that I'm going to look at is Minnesota's high-powered passing attack against Seattle's secondary. Now the Vikings on offense, they've also been wildly inconsistent, but they still possess the firepower and rank 7th in passing this season Kirk Cousins has thrown for 3,490 yards, which is the sixth highest total in the NFL, totaling a 99.1 passer rating, which is good for 12th best in the league. Then you look at the receiving core. Adam Thielen, he's on a record-breaking pace, recording a league-leading 98 receptions, which is the third most in NFL history through the first 12 games of a season. His 1,166 yards ranked second in the NFL, and his nine touchdowns are tied for fifth. And then his counterpart, Stephon Diggs, who's also had himself a season as well. But as a pair, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs joined Steelers wide receivers Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster as the only wide receiver duos in the NFL to rank in the top 10 in catches this season. They also lead all receiving groups league-wide with 233 receptions and are tied for third with 20 touchdowns in 2018. Now for the Seattle Seahawks, they rank 19th in pass defense. They're allowing 251 yards per game. You look at their secondary that really 
is full of a bunch of no-namers. Trey Flowers, who's a long-rangey corner. And then, of course, Shaquille Griffin, who's a young, developing corner that has played exceptionally well for Seattle through two seasons. Tedrick Thompson and Bradley McDougald anchoring their defense as the starting safeties and they've held their own this season and they've also gotten strong play from slot corner Justin Coleman who continues to solidify as one of the top at his position so this feisty unit they're not going to come out and completely shut you down they're not the legion of boom with Earl Thomas Chancellor Richard Sherman, all those guys are either on another team or they're done for their career. This is a new wave of younger talent for Ken Norton's defense. But one thing they are going to do is they're going to pressure you at the line of scrimmage. They're going to play jam coverage up tight. They're going to take chances in trying to jump routes, especially going up against Kirk Cousins, who looks like he's been a little trigger shy the last couple of weeks. And if you're Seattle, you're watching last week's tape and studying how Brian Flores and the Patriots defense were so successful in limiting big plays down the field to Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. So I look forward to seeing Seattle's secondary come out and play with a chip on their shoulder, knowing that many people from around the league are banking on Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs to put together big nights in the pass game as well as Cousins. So look for these guys to come out playing with a high sense of urgency and of course with the help of the 12th man there at CenturyLink Field. This is a different team when they're playing in Seattle in front of their home fans in a primetime environment. So while it looks like Minnesota has the advantage in this matchup with what they're able to do consistently to the air, don't be surprised to see this Seattle secondary come away with a couple of turnovers that could shift the momentum of this game. Now the final matchup that I want to break down here is another one in the trenches. The Vikings offensive line against the Seahawks scrappy pass rush. Now again, same thing for this position group. While Seattle doesn't have any big time players, their rotation of guys like Frank Clark, who by the way is not mentioned in the same breath of the Vaughn Millers and the Miles Garretts and the Chandler Joneses, but this guy continues to quietly put together a productive season. He has 10 sacks on the year. This guy can get after opposing quarterbacks. And then Deion Jordan, Quinton Jefferson, Jerron Reed, Puna Ford, the undrafted nose tackle out of Texas, Nazir Jones. This unit, they will rotate a fresh pair of legs every series. And when they pin their ears back and come off the edge, not only are they coming as a defensive line, they also bring slot corners and outside linebackers on blitzes and look for them to corral Kirk Cousins in the pocket. You know Cousins does have underrated athleticism, but he's a predominant pocket passer and does not like to move from his spot. So you can look for this Seahawks defense to really dial up the blitz 
on the outside. And so this is where Riley Reef and Rashad Hill for the Vikings, the two starting offensive tackles, they must be ready to anchor down. And if you're Minnesota and John DeFilippo, you better make sure you're leaving a tight end or a fullback or a running back, somebody to chip because with Frank Clark bearing down on you, it does not bode well for opposing quarterbacks that are looking to find some comfort level in the pocket. And on that note, that's how you can really rattle the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, which is something that New England had success early and often. So these two sides, just like I talked about the Seahawks rushing attack against Minnesota's beefed up defensive line, these two offensive tackles, I think, headline one of the more intriguing, important matchups of the evening because you know Minnesota, they've turned away from their rushing attack so often this season where Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray are just left on the shelf in the second half while they're trying to cover ground and play from behind on a consistent basis. And so while I can see Cook playing a role out of the backfield, maybe in some design screenplays, maybe they try to get Murray going in the inside zone run, but I look at the exterior of this Minnesota offensive line and what they're going to have to accomplish tonight to give their team their best chance to knock off a very difficult Seahawks team that is playing with a lot of emotion and a lot of momentum coming off a three-game win streak. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that shapes up in the approaches both coordinators come up with this evening. Now for my game prediction, I'm going to roll with the Seattle Seahawks in a close one. I think Russell Wilson... Anytime you have him healthy and playing out on the field combined with a good offensive line, yes, I mentioned DJ Fluker will be out, so that's a loss. Maybe Ethan Posich will move to right guard and fill in there, but Chris Carson, Mike Davis, Rashad Penny, what they offer to go along with Tyler Lockett, Doug Baldwin. This is a home run hitting receiving core for Seattle, and that's something that we saw on full display last week against San Francisco. Big play after big play on top of Seattle's defense feeding off the crowd noise. I know Minnesota, they're still a dangerous team and you cannot discount them just because they're coming off a poor performance because we have to remember that Minnesota also had a three-game win streak leading into Week 13's matchup. So this team has been playing pretty well as of late they're still clinging on to a playoff spot so you know they are not discouraged by any means which is something that their head coach Mike Zimmer reiterated to the media earlier this week in preparation for the Seahawks so look for these two teams to bring valiant efforts but I think Sebastian Janikowski nets a game-winning field goal to put Seattle over the top with a score of 27 to 24 and they send their home fans home happy knowing 
that the playoffs are imminent for a squad that nobody believed could even reach the six win mark under Pete Carroll. A lot of talk about his future in Seattle. John Schneider took a lot of heat and blame for the way he handled some veterans on this team trading Michael Bennett. But when the dust settles and the lights shut down at CenturyLink, I truly believe that Seattle will come out victorious to improve to 8-5 while the Vikings once again lose a nail-biter and drop to 6-6-1. Six, six, so there you have it, my Monday night football preview and prediction. Thank you for taking the time to listen in to today's episode. I will be back here on Wednesday for the midweek edition of the Chase Podcast. But until then, take care and God bless. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.